The text for the sermon this afternoon is John 10, the verses 11 and 14. First of all, verse 11, where the Lord Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And then verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known by my own. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, young people, boys and girls too, when I was first ordained as minister 32 years ago in London, Ontario, later as minister in Cloverdale, B.C., Carmen, Manitoba, Vernon, B.C., and finally here in Owen Sound six years ago, the form for installation of ministers of the word was read every time. And in that form, it's mentioned that the chief shepherds appoints shepherds to heed to the flock in his name. So there's a great shepherd and little shepherds. The word pastor is used for minister, which is a Latin word for shepherd. So I was installed, I was ordained, and then later installed here as shepherd. Shepherd to care for Christ's flock. Now, this here shepherd was, was and remains an, an imperfect one. And I find that's the hardest thing to deal with when you're uh, appointed as shepherd of Christ's flock in a certain place. You have to accept and deal with your weaknesses and faults as a shepherd. And the hardest thing of all to deal with in that respect isn't necessarily the imperfections in what you did, but especially the things you didn't do, which you wish you had have done. The sermons you didn't make. The things you didn't say in the ser- those sermons or, or teach in catechism classes. The things you didn't say to people. Could have said this, should have spoken about that, could have done that. You see, it's not just the things you said that are imperfect, but also the things you didn't say that can bother you. And what I want to say with that is that at the conclusion of my task as active minister, I'm thankful I was able to complete my responsibility, but I also am confronted again by my weakness and my shortcomings and my imperfection here. But that's not such a horribly bad thing. Those imperfections and those shortcomings are meant to show that the work and its effects of a minister are not all about him. Not about the shepherd, the little shepherd. It's all about the great shepherd, the perfect one. The shepherd, our text talks about the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. He is the one who we have to focus on. He is the one who ultimately can care for the flock. He's always busy caring for his flock in spite of, or or even 
through the imperfections and shortcomings of, of his under-shepherds. He is the good shepherd. And it's him as your shepherd that I want to focus attention on this afternoon and I proclaim to you with the text, Jesus is the good shepherd. And we pay attention to two things about this good shepherd. He gives his life for the sheep and secondly, he knows his sheep. He is known by them. First of all, he gives his life for the sheep. So Jesus' congregation says in our text, and he says that twice in that passage that we read both in verse 11 and 14, I am the good shepherd. That he says it again too. It's emphasis here. And that means what what he's emphasizing is these sheep are mine. They belong to me. They're mine alone. Jesus was thinking of people who belonged to him, of themselves sinners. How did they come to belong to him? Well, the Gospel of John is pretty clear about that. God the Father gave them to him. In chapter 6, verse 39, John quotes Jesus as saying, This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing but raise it up at the last day. Now, he was thinking of all those whom God has given me. And John 17, in his high priestly prayer, he says to his father, I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. And later on, John 10, verse 29, Jesus says, My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. See, in his electing love, God the Father chose and gave sheep to his son to save. And he did that already before the foundation of the world. That's the amazing thing. That's why the Lord Jesus also says, John 10, verse 16, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. He knew he had other sheep. And that they had to be brought to him. He knew that because God had given him them, those sheep. He had to bring them to faith and repentance yet. But they're already his. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. His father gave them to him already before the world was made. Jesus has sheep. He has a flock because the Father gave them to him. And Jesus accepted them. And that's a really interesting thing to think about, that he accepted those sheep. He he wanted them. And that's amazing because those sheep in themselves are burdened with guilt and curse. Messed up sheep. Imagine if somebody gave you a piece of property here in town, a nice big lot. Here, you can have this lot for free. I'll sign it over to you. Wonderful. But then he adds, but the soil is contaminated. So you're going to have to dig it up, have it sanitized, and that's going to cost about $100,000. When you hear that, you say, well, thanks, but no thanks. 
You can keep the lot. I don't want it if it's going to cost me that much to own it, to have it. You don't want to accept it. God gave his son the elect, those whom he set his heart on from eternity. But they were all going to be contaminated with sin and guilt. And that was going to cost the son dearly to have them as his own. It was going to cost him his holy life, his suffering and death on the cross. He would even have to descend into hell for those sheep to keep them as his own. But the wonder is, God's son was willing to accept that, willing to do that, to have those sheep. He wanted us with his whole heart. He said to his father, yes, father, I'll take them for myself. I'll take them with all their contamination, all their sins and their sinful nature, their guilt, all the wrong things they've done in their lives, their sinful nature too. I accept them from your hand. And then, when the time was right, God's son humbled himself deeply and came to this earth as man. And then things got really hard for him. He gave up his glory, came here as man, but actually had to become the least of all men. For, the, for, the, for that wolf... Satan didn't want that shepherd to have that flock, those sheep. He wanted to drag them into eternal condemnation with himself, if possible. And he accused them before God. He said, look God, what a bunch of sheep here. They're all guilty of these sins and those sins and those kind of things. They deserve to be thrown aside condemned, exiled out of your presence forever. And Satan did, and still does, his best to tempt them to make things hard for them in order to undermine and destroy their faith. For if they lose their faith, they belong to him. So Satan confronted the Lord Jesus with accusations and temptations concerning those sheep. But what did the Lord Jesus do? You know what he said later on in the garden of Gethsemane. His little flock was standing there behind him. And people came to arrest him and he said, look, if you seek me, let these go their way. He gave himself up for his sheep. Not just that little group, but for all of them that the Father gave him, handed himself over to curse and death so that his sheep would not fall into the hands of the devil and the eternal curse that he brings with him. Jesus gave his life for the sheep, the sheep his Father gave him, and that's why he's the good shepherd. And that shows the difference between the good shepherd and the hireling, doesn't it? As long as there's no trouble, no wolf around. 
you don't notice much difference between a real shepherd and someone who isn't the real one. But the difference comes to light when there's serious danger. When the wolf is there, they can hear him howling. And then the hireling flees. He cares less about the sheep than he cares about himself. Jesus said that with the Pharisees and the leaders of the Jews in mind. They figured they were the real shepherds. But they cared more about their own status and benefit than about the people. They were the hirelings Jesus had in mind. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd to them. He shows himself to be the real shepherd of the sheep. The only one, in fact. And the sheep were really his because he's truly concerned about their eternal well-being. Because if you're the shepherd, the real shepherd of the sheep, and those sheep are your flock, you're going to do anything to keep them, right? You're going to fight for them. A hireling will run if the wolf comes. Because a sheep's life isn't worth his life. The life of a human being, he reasons, is worth more than that of an animal. And so then, ultimately, the sheep has to give his life for, for the hireling. But with the good shepherd, it's the other way around. He gives his life for the sheep. The lives of the sheep, it seems in this case, are worth more than the life of the shepherd. He said in Gethsemane, if you seek me, let these go their way. Jesus put himself between wolf and sheep, accuser and and those the Father had given him. Take me, he said. And then he gave his own life for the lives of his sheep. Gave himself up to the soldiers and the mob who came out to arrest him. Gave himself to the Sanhedrin to condemn him to death. Gave himself over to the soldiers who struck him and whipped him and spit on him. He was like a sheep being led to the slaughter, which opened not its mouth. He could have stopped, could have stopped at all, everything that was being done to him. Could have stopped it with just a gesture of his hand, a word from his mouth. But he offered himself up, here, take me, do to me what you have in mind. And in that he gave himself up to God's wrath and to the curse of the law. Let, let your curse, the, the curse and your wrath against sin and death come to me, but let my sheep go. Otherwise they would have suffered eternal curse and eternal death. Take me in their place. I give my life for the sheep. And see, congregation, that's why he's the good shepherd, the real one. He redeems his sheep, he protects them, saves them from Satan's power, from Satan's attacks. His sheep are safe with him, he's given his life for them, and now gives, now lives, now he lives to pray for them, to take care of them. And yes, he uses imperfect under-shepherds to take care of them, but he is the real shepherd, the good one, the great one. And the thing about his sheep, the ones the father gave him, is that they know he's the good shepherd. They know he's the one they need. You know, if you're accused by the devil and by your own conscience about your sins and shortcomings, there's no way to excuse yourself and escape the curse of sin. And if the devil attacks you and comes with his temptations, there's no way you can fight him off yourself. 
We're all too weak in ourselves. We give in so quickly and so stealthily and gradually we don't even realize it ourselves. Bitterness creeps in. Selfishness takes over a little bit more all the time. Accommodation to, to the world. You pray less and less. The relationship with the Lord grows cooler. We need someone who stands up for us, who is fully able to bear the curse of sin in himself, powerful to be able to bind Satan and pull Satan back and protect us from him. We need somebody to do that for us. And there is no human shepherd here on earth among us who can do that. No under-shepherd can do that. But Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And he's the one who stands up for us. His sheep realize they need him and they can't do without him as their shepherd. And so the Spirit brings them to him and they follow him. And those sheep of his, the sheep of the Lord Jesus are amazed then too. Oh Lord, that you you gave yourself for me in my place. That you did that for me. You received me from the Father and you didn't refuse me even though I was so contaminated by sin and curse. You accepted me and you knew the high cost of doing that. And you paid the price. Congregation, the more you, say, you can say that in your hearts, the more sure you become of your complete salvation and safety in the good shepherd. And in the future, on the last day, the father will ask something like this. My son, have you ransomed the sheep I have given you? And then the son will reply officially, yes, father. I kept them all and saved them. Kept them from Satan's clutches. He was not able to take them out of my hand because I gave myself for them and I interceded for them. And I watched over them all the time they lived on the earth. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls too, it's not about whether you, you know this small under-shepherd here with his imperfections. It's about whether you know the great shepherd, the good one, the good shepherd. Know, whether you know his voice in the, in the gospel Know that without him you're lost, but with him you have everything. He gave himself for his sheep. We come to the second part. The good shepherd knows his sheep. So Jesus says in our text, I'm the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and am known by my sheep. You understand what he means if you think about shepherds in ancient Israel. At the beginning of John 10, a sheepfold is mentioned. That sheepfold isn't, isn't the small one a shepherd built for himself up in the hills by laying stones on top of each other or so. We mentioned that last week. No, this, this is the one in town. The one with the walls in town, the communal one. In the evenings, the shepherds who are near the town, they brought their sheep to that communal sheepfold. So in that sheepfold, you had sheep which belonged to different shepherds, 
And various flocks then all milling around through each other. And during the night, those shepherds went to their own homes and a doorkeeper stood watch over the sheep. And in the mornings, the shepherds would come for their own sheep again to lead them out to pasture. And those shepherds knew their own sheep. They knew exactly which ones belonged to them. Something like a dairy farmer today knows his cows by name or number. He'd know right away if there was a cow in the herd which wasn't his. Where did that one come from? Or if there was one that, of his that wasn't there. Well, so the shepherds in those days would know their sheep. They called them out. One by one, all of them. And the shepherd wouldn't leave for the hills if one of his sheep remained in the sheepfold. Or if he had somebody else's sheep. And the other way around too, the sheep knew the shepherd. They recognized his voice. They would only come if their own shepherd called them. Like a dog knows his master's voice. Sheep know their, the shepherd's voice, their own shepherd. Well, says Jesus in the text, that's how it is even more with my sheep and with me. I know my own. And that means in the first place, his heart is set on them. He loves his own. Knowing is, is often loving in the Bible. I love my sheep. After all, I received them from my father. I paid for their cleansing with my blood. I love them. I carried their names on my heart when I went to the cross. He knew who he was dying for. Every one of them. And he's, he says, I continue to carry them in my heart day by day. And I never forget a single one of them. I know all my sheep. And I want them to be with me always. If one of them stumbles and falls behind, I notice that right away. If one of them gets stuck in thorny temptations because he's too busy taking in all kinds of things, wasn't paying attention to where he was going, I notice that. And then I seek out the sheep until I find it and carry it back. I know my sheep. I love my sheep. So the good shepherd, beloved, knows each sheep's character too. He knows if a sheep is grumpy or fearful or slow, the shepherd fully knows the character of all his sheep, how you were raised, what you dealt with in the past, what you're worried about now, your struggles with doubts, your inner wounds. He knows it. He knows his sheep inside out. And with that knowledge, he takes care of you. He takes care of you. Knows what you need, whether you need encouragement or chastisement. He knows when you're weak and have reached your limit. He knows if you go astray. He loves his sheep. He knows you completely. He knew you before you knew yourself. He knows all your struggles right now. The things that are passing through your mind and heart at this moment. He knows the struggles with your sinful nature. He knows your joys. He loves you. Not because you're so attractive to him and do such nice things for him. He loves you in your sinfulness. 
and your weakness, even though he's perfect and glorified in heaven and, and we're all imperfect, he loves you even in all of that. He was here. He walked on earth here. He knows everything you deal with here. So he says, I know my sheep. That's a beautiful statement. I know my sheep. And then he adds, and am known by my own. And we know him and love him too because he knew us and loved us first. Of ourselves, we would have never come to know him and love him. We would have avoided him like the plague. We would have hated him. That's by nature. But because he knew and loved us first, therefore we know him and want to love him now too. It's because he loved you that you now sit here and want to love him. The sheep hear his voice then. And when his, when his voice calls out, the sheep which belong to him respond to that voice, right? They recognize that voice of the good shepherd. And that's a good thing today, especially because there's so many voices calling out in the world today, a cacophony of voices calling us here, there, So many robbers and thieves, too, who want to entice the sheep to go along with them. Come on with me. They want to spiritually kill them, consume them. But the good shepherd's sheep are not going to follow them, are they? They're not going to follow strangers because they don't know the voice of the stranger. You see, the stranger's voice says, go ahead, it's not such a serious sin. Go on. It's not going to hurt you. Or, come, look at this. Look at this. Look at this website. It's not going to affect you. Ah, come on. Go along with the others. With what they're doing. You need to enjoy yourself too. That's where those robbers and, that's what those robbers and strangers say who want to rob you of your spiritual life. But the sheep, they recognize that this is not the voice of the good shepherd. They know his voice. They know it from the word. And therefore, they don't recognize those other voices. Say, this is the voice of the good shepherd. The sheep know the voice of the good shepherd from the word. And he calls and he says, follow me. Don't give in to that. Don't go along with them. Fight against sin and in you, yourself and around you. Fight against it. I'll help you. Look to me for the strength to do that. Come to me, all who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Sinners are welcome. I take you as you are, but then I'm going to make you as you need to be, more and more. Just come with your guilt and nothing else. And I will lead you as the good shepherd. Care for you. Brothers and sisters, young people, boys and girls. You, you recognize that voice of the good shepherd, right? That voice calls you then to good pastures, to green pastures. That voice is going to call you to the worship services and to sacraments. And with the Lord's Supper, which we hope to celebrate next Sunday, he declares, I gave myself, my body and blood for you. Believe me, 
and I'll take care of you. And then nobody will be able to snatch you out of my hand. Nobody. I'll nourish you to life everlasting. And when you as sheep hear that voice, that voice too, it'll give you joy and peace. Yes, we're all imperfect sinners, but joy and peace in the good shepherd. The beginning of eternal joy and peace, we could even say. So congregation, the good shepherd allowed me to serve as his under-shepherd for 32 years and here for the past six. Now it's time for myself and my wife to move on to a different stage of life. But even though this imperfect little shepherd is retiring, the good shepherd never retires. He always is here to take care of his sheep as he only can. Listen to his voice. He'll continue to take care of his flock here and continue even to lead you to greener and greener pastures. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the the gospel of the Good Shepherd. The Great Shepherd, how he loved his sheep, so loved the ones the Father gave him that he, he gave his life for them and that he now lives to care for them. Oh Lord, all other shepherds pale in comparison to a shepherd like him. And the shepherds you give here are all imperfect and they, they move on, they retire. But the good shepherd is perfect in his love and he remains with his sheep and he fully knows his sheep and nothing can take them from his hand. He knows everything about us. He loves us with perfect love. Cares for us in that love. And we pray that that may be the joy and peace for us as pastor and congregation as we officially part ways today. Father, keep that in our hearts, we pray always. The Good Shepherd. And we pray all of this in his name alone. Amen.